Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fabulously Fit Podcast. I am part one of this dynamic duo. I am Kennedy. And I am part two. I'm Danielle, or VSGD. Oh, yes, I am um, Bypass and Bougie. Forgot to mention that. Thank you guys for coming back again for another episode. Today's episode is going to be maybe a little bit heavier than some of our past episodes because we are going to talk about um, mental health and weight loss and mental health and weight loss surgery um, and kind of our processes with those and realizing some things about ourselves. Um, I've had some diagnosis after surgery for um, some mental health illnesses that I have that were not diagnosed before surgery. So kind of touching on those. Um, But yeah. What about you, Danielle? How about, uh, let's do an update from our last episode because we set some goals for ourselves. So how's that going? I have tracked every day so far. So that is awesome. I've worked out uh, every day and I'm down like four pounds, which I know some people don't like the scale. They do like the scale. I'm a scale girl. So sorry if people don't want to hear how much I look at the scale, but I do. Uh, It's something that if I'm not looking at the scale, it's not, it doesn't exist. So that's part of how Mm. I gained weight was like, I never looked at the scale. So it was like, oh, the clothes aren't fitting, whatever, like, and I just would keep going and going and going. So for me, it's, I have to see a number on the scale and attribute it to where I want to be. Um, or else I, it doesn't have, cause I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine. Like for me, my clothes aren't the best indicator. I, it, it doesn't, something doesn't click with me. I know it does with a lot of people, but it doesn't for me. So I do rely on the way that I sit on the scale. And so I'm down four pounds, uh, in the past week. So I'm pretty excited about that. Great job. It's amazing what consistency and like, for me, tracking is important because I'm aware of what I'm putting into my body. Mm-hmm. Like I, I realized with tracking, like, I actually think I was eating a little bit more than I thought I was because I was sometimes like mindfully picking up something like crackers right. that are around and like putting them in my mouth and then not tracking them. So tracking has really helped me to step back and be like, Oh, Wait, and then I've also looked at my foods a little bit more too and been like, oh, this does not have enough protein. Like before we started, mm-hmm. you and I were talking about um, ADHD a little bit and we're gonna go into this a little bit more, but like I have ADHD and I get food fixations. And one of those food fixations is these Jimmy Dean breakfast sandwiches and all I wanna do is eat them. But because I'm tracking, I scan it and I go, oh, this has less than like 15 grams of protein. This isn't gonna serve me. So that's been really helpful for me too. I'm so proud of you, good job. Thanks. Um, I thought that before we kind of jump into everything, we could do a motivation Monday. I just pulled up kind of a cool quote. It, um, it goes kind of directly along with mental health. It says it's okay to make mistakes, to have bad days, to be less than perfect, to do what's best for you and to be yourself by Stacey Swift. And so I definitely think especially being on social media, you see a lot of the good days. Um, but I think it's okay and good and helpful to show the not so good days and know that it's okay to not be okay. Um, the goal though, is to not stay there. Like, and we'll get into that more in the episode, but just to know that you're not alone if you're having those bad days and it's okay to not be perfect. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. I totally agree that a lot of the times we just see the good or we tend to post the good because we want to post like the happy, exciting, fun times in our lives. And sometimes it could be hard to take a step back and realize that like, 
oh, people are watching and learning and seeing us and we need to talk about these other things as well. And for me, I've really realized this too, is like getting into teaching and being around like teenagers, like they want to know who is in their life. And so they do start to like find you on social media and stuff. And so I'm trying to be really intentional of showing like all the different aspects of my life, not just the happy go lucky, but also the harder things. And that's also really hard on your mental health too, because it's hard to sit in front of even your phone, even though maybe somebody won't see it and express how you're feeling. And like, I had that over this last weekend because I've been in a flare with my GP. And for the first time ever, I let myself cry a little bit on my Instagram stories, which I'm still battling with because I'm not a big emotional person. I'm not a big crier, but I just- Oh, you know, I cry all the time on my Instagram. I know I love you for it because I just, (laughs) I'm not a big crier and I have a really hard time being emotionally vulnerable. And this is, this is an issue I have in my personal life too. Like this is one of the biggest fights in my marriage is I'm just not emotionally vulnerable and I'm not with my family or my friends either. It's really hard for me. And that's one, one thing I'm really working on this year. And I got to a point last week where I just had enough and I was, I needed to express that and let people know that like, it's okay to have bad days. We don't always have to be strong. And sometimes you just need a good cry. That is so true. I'm always down for a good cry. <laughs> Me too. Speaking of crying, I guess that's a good segue into our topic today, which is um, mental health. <laughs> so um, there kind of are two sides of this that we kind of wanted to talk about. So there's two sides of this in our situation, whereas there is mental health before weight loss, and then there's mental health after weight loss. And then there's also this overwhelming amount of people in this community who suffer from mental health illnesses or have been diagnosed with mental health illnesses. And, um, I actually found an article that I want to open with because I think it's important. Um, it talks about how to conquer the mental side of weight loss. And one thing that really stuck out to me in this article is that, um, it's talking about the challenge that nearly millions of people all over the world struggle with, which is weight. Um, but Americans, especially so with this article, it says with nearly 70% of Americans being overweight or obese, 77% of Americans are attempting to try and lose weight. So that's like at all times. So 77% of, of America is trying to lose weight at all times, which is a very high number. Yeah. Um, which is definitely attributed to the fact that 70% of our population is overweight. Um, so of course people are wanting to change that, but it's crazy to me that so many people are trying this and there's no, the education on it is not great. And the things we've been taught are so backwards and how we talk about it is so backwards. And then there's this idea that if you do weight loss surgery, it's the easy way out, but it's just a tool. And when so many people are trying, why not use that tool? Um, and one thing I found super interesting in this article too, is that it said that people with serious mental illnesses like bipolar disorder, depression, schizophrenia, extreme anxiety, et cetera, are 50% more likely to develop obesity than the general population. And I thought that number was crazy. Like That's 50% more likely more to likely. develop. Yeah. To develop obesity. So I mean, I guess it makes sense if you've got like depression and things like that, and you're having a hard time, like getting out of bed and moving Um, But I didn't even think about like the other, like even more impactful mental health issues like schizophrenia and and bipolar playing an impact on that. I, it is shocking, but I definitely can see that like, you know, I have diagnosed depression and anxiety. And Mm -hmm. when I am having a bad, you know, like when I get to those low points 
what am I doing? I'm usually becoming like reclusive, laying Mm -hmm. in bed, not wanting to get up, not wanting to move, um, comfort eating. So all of those things combined, um, your cortisol levels from stress, like typically you experience your depression or anxiety in higher times of stress. So with the cortisol levels that are shooting up, it makes sense that the people who struggle with those things would have a higher OPC rate, but just seeing it, the actual statistic is kind of crazy. Yeah. Like reading that number, I was like, holy cow, which I mean, makes sense. Cause I don't know about you, but before surgery, I was really heavily looking into like the Facebook pages about weight loss that was encouraged by my program, which now that I look at it, I'm like, please don't encourage that because those Facebook pages have led me to meet some wonderful people, but they tend to be a little toxic. Um, but one thing I noticed in those was the amount of people who were so stressed about their psyche valuations and reading this yes. made it make so much more sense because so many of us that are overweight have psychological issues that we think like, well, I've got, so Danielle mentioned you have anxiety and depression and I have those as well, but I also have um, borderline personality disorder. And so like, that was one of my worries was, oh no, like, is this going to affect that? And before I was diagnosed with um, borderline, I was misdiagnosed as bipolar. And so that was a big part going into my psyche bell. That was something we really had to talk about because I would go through these sort of manic phases where I would just eat and do things and not really remember it or like have recollection of it. Like there was no thought process of it happening. Um, turns out I actually have a severe or had severe undiagnosed ADHD, um, and bipolar, or not bipolar, sorry, um, borderline personality disorder. So, um, my borderline has been pretty good, but my ADHD, I think was the biggest thing for me to get diagnosed and worked out. Um, and that was one of the things in the psyche valves I was so stressed about. See, and I'm wondering now, Kennedy and I were talking before we hit record that one of her like signs was being a people pleaser, which I am. And then (laughs) also, uh, food fixations, which mm-hmm. if you've been around me or my Instagram for any amount of time, I am like <laughs> the biggest food fixator. I mean, like I go through phases where I will eat the same thing for like breakfast, lunch, and dinner for long periods of time. Uh, when I find like a new snack that I like, it is all that I think about. It is all, mm-hmm. that is the only thing I eat. And so I'm like, and my son has ADHD. And it is, you know, genetic. And so I'm like, oh mm-hmm. gosh, is it? I always thought it was Gage. I'm like, Gage, you're giving him the ADHD. <laughs> but I'm like, maybe it was actually me or both so, of us. Yeah. So what's funny about this is I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until after surgery. And the main reason I was diagnosed with it is because I got to a point where I was having those food fixations. I was only eating like three or four things for like months at a time. And then suddenly I didn't want to touch those foods ever again. And I would only want to eat other things. And then I was having this issue where I would sit in class and I would like be looking at the board and thinking I was taking notes. And then the next second I would look up and the class would be over and I would have no idea what happened. (sighs) And I (laughs) went to my doctor and he was like, Oh, well, did you have A, B, C, D, E, F, you know, while you were younger and went through the whole process and it is a process. So if you think this is something you have, definitely start the process. Cause it does take time. There's lots of testing. You see psychiatrists, all kinds of things to get properly diagnosed. Um, but he's the one who talked to me about binge eating disorder and ADHD. 
And there's a very strong tie between binge eating disorder and ADHD. And that is because we are constantly chasing dopamine with ADHD and food gives us dopamine. So binging and eating makes you feel really, 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 really good. And when you have ADHD, you just want to feel good. So you're chasing that high. So I was constantly chasing this high of food and it was leading me to binge eat. And I have not binged since I've been diagnosed and medicated on my ADHD medication. I haven't even thought about binging. I haven't been tempted. That I think has been the biggest change for me with getting medicated is that tie to food for me was really strongly tied to my ADHD and all of my siblings. I've got two younger siblings and my stepbrother, which doesn't count, but I also have a half brother that lives in Germany. who's older than me and all of us have ADHD. Um, and my younger siblings have it very extreme and my sister openly kind of talks about binge eating a little bit too. And she, when she's not taking her medication, that's something she struggles with is too, with too. So I think it's really interesting that this is something that I think a lot of us suffer with binge eating, but we don't talk about why. That's so interesting. I, uh-huh. now that we like the more that we're getting into this, I'm like, I'm going to go and maybe like, see if that is something that maybe has just kind of went undiagnosed and it's never been something that like I've thought because I don't necessarily have a problem with like focus, you know? And so I've never thought that maybe like, that's what it's tied to. But so that is kind of interesting. And like I said, Mm -hmm. my son has it, he has made a different world of difference, him getting on medication and the right medication, um, how much better he's able to function. And so that is kind of interesting. And hearing you like how you are like describe your binges it's like that is so like that's exactly I the same thing like just constantly like Mm -hmm. binging and when I when I was at my heaviest I mean I knew that like in my head I knew like this is not a good idea like why are you doing right and so I would go to the store and when I would go grocery shopping I would buy stuff that was like for me So I would Mm -hmm. go to the store, buy whatever the stuff was, and then whatever I wanted to binge on, I would end up binging in the car before I got, so no one would know. I don't even think binge knows. Like that literally I would pick like a food and then I would like keep it for myself and just like binge out in the car. Yes. So I'm glad you mentioned that actually. This just reminded me of something. So Kyle and I were talking the other day and- drop something. Sorry if you guys heard that. (laughs) Kyle and I were talking the other day and we were talking about, um, like the fact that I've been intentionally putting on weight and gaining muscle. And when it first started, he was concerned because I didn't openly talk to him about it because I was battling it with myself. So I wasn't telling him that like, I'm purposely trying to put on weight. And he just told me the other day that he would go out and look in my car to see if there were food wrappers or fast food wrappers or bags in my car, because before surgery, I would go and get food and hide it and eat it in my car and binge on it and didn't think anybody knew, but little did I know he was looking in my car. I know, but I was like, why didn't you just, whoa. And I was like, Like, ask me. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, wow, I was full stop a binge eater before surgery, like full stop. There was no denying that. Um, and him telling me that the other day, I was like, huh, well, I'm glad you cared to go look at my car, but there's nothing in there. The only thing that's in there is maybe like a Starbucks cup. (laughs) Well, that's, that's nice that he's like being supportive and like, yes, for sure. Right. Yeah. It's just crazy though. Like how, how our mental health 
and food are so heavily tied. And um, we're going to do episodes in an episode in the future where we're going to talk more about like binge eating and other eating disorders, um, because there are a lot of disordered eating in this community before and after surgery. So it's something we for sure want to talk about. Um, but mental health really plays a big part in that. And, um, I really think that talking about it openly is so important, especially like I said, in this community, because we are a community that is 50% more likely to have mental health issues. Yes. I, it's so important. And to like break the stigma over, you know, over mental health struggles and mental health diagnosis. Uh, like I know for myself, I've tried to make sure that I am sharing that, um, pretty openly. Um, I know for me, my mental health has drastically increased post-op. Um, I am not currently taking any medication, um, feeling really good. Um, for me, the biggest thing was being able to work out again and being able to run yes. again. Um, yes. I was going to talk about that. <laughs> For, like for me, I was always a cross country runner and I, back then I didn't appreciate, um, what it did for me and maybe my mental health. Um, in high school, I was on uh, depression medication. And so I did that and I ran and I didn't realize that maybe like I would have been so much worse off had I not had the running. Um, because after I gained weight, I was just, my mental state was not good, not good at all. Um, for a long while. And so then now to not be on any medication and feeling like as good as I do, um, it's, I attribute a, like I said, a lot of it to fitness, but more specifically running. Like for me, nothing makes me feel as good as running does, um, mentally. And I don't know if it's like, cause you get the runners high or I don't, I don't know. But for me, like that is my time where I clear my head. And so, I mean, even on days, like if I feel myself getting like frustrated, um, that like a few weeks ago, I'd gotten into it with my dad and I immediately like before I would have had no way to, to deal with it or to cope. And so the situation probably would have escalated. But at that point I literally was like, okay, I- I'm leaving the house. And I told Gage just like, I'm going on a run. Like, and so I was only gone maybe 15 minutes, but I was like, I just needed that time to like regulate myself. And so running has just been so huge now that I'm able to enjoy it that I remember like, oh, maybe this was the thing that helped get me through more than I realized. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. No, one of the things I really want to talk about too was, was exercise too, because one thing that I've noticed is that like the days that I like skip the gym or I'm not following my program or decide to take an unscheduled rest day. I struggle mental health wise. I get anxious. I, I get kind of like, Oh, I don't even want to leave the house. Like I'm Mm -hmm. not going to go anywhere. And then I get into this pattern of like sitting and getting trapped on my phone. I don't eat. Um, and so the gym has become like a, like a therapy session for me. And I've started to think of my gym sessions as like non-negotiable therapy meetings with myself, (laughs) because if I don't go and lift, and work out for at least half an hour, at least I am not the same person. I, I have to get my energy out. And I really think part of it is my energy just needs to come out in some way. And I just think that I've started to develop such a good relationship with the gym that it, it really does heavily impact my mental health, whether I'm going or not going really impacts my mental health. 
the same, like even in the past week, since I've really been like making it intentional, cause I was working with Gage doing UPS. So that's like a ton of physical work. Um, but like switching back to actually going to the gym, my mom even like noticed, she's like, Hey, you've been like in a really good mood. She's like, you're in a great mood. I was like, yeah, I feel really good. Like just getting out and like having that on a schedule and being mm-hmm. part of your, like part of your routine and a habit, I feel like it's so huge. Cause yeah, when, if I'm out of that habit, I'm like, it's very easy for me to slip back into, I don't want to get out of bed. I just want to like cuddle and be lazy and which is there, there's a time and place for that. Like you for definitely sure. need to have scheduled rest, but for me, if I don't have something like scheduled and timely, I'm, it's really easy for me to fall back into that, those like habits that maybe I don't want to get back into. Yeah, me too. I, I totally agree. And like, I, especially recently, cause I've gotten quite a bit stricter with my schedule and like staying committed to like, no, this is what I'm doing. We can do something else after. Um, I have had to like explain to like friends and family and be like, I just need this if you want me to be like a nice, sane calm yeah. person, you need to give me this, this 30 to 45 to 60 minutes. And then we can talk about this or do something after, but you've got to give me this time. And I really think like the people in my life have noticed a big difference too. Just like I'm a lot, I have really high anxiety. I'm very high strung. Um, I jump to the worst case scenario instantly, me no too. matter what. Um, and that's something I've worked on my whole life. I don't think it's ever going to get much better, but it's gotten better since I've started to exert that anxiety into exercise. So that's been a big game changer for me for sure. Yep. I'm definitely very much similar. I mean, I just, I try not to, and I'm actually reading a book right now, uh, called get out of your head. And so I'm trying to work on it. Um, but it's basically based on like, even just like negative self-talk, um, like comparison to, you know, someone on your news feed, you know, your Instagram feed, um, and how to channel it and make it something positive, um, and to like get those anxious thoughts out. And so I just started the book, but I think it'll be helpful. I actually, I got three on the way to Nashville. I only got like halfway through, then we moved and it got packed and I didn't know where it was. So now I'm reading oh. it again, so, but I definitely struggle with the, like the wor- jumping to the worst case scenario and the spiraling of toxic thoughts. Like if I think mm-hmm. one negative thing, it's like spiraling. And so s- same as you, I have to channel my anxiety and like get all of that extra energy out because if I don't, then that's when yep. I'm sitting, thinking about all of these horrible things. And then when I'm sitting at home in, you know, in bed, then I'm thinking about all these horrible things and it's just really a, a downward spiral. And then I'm yeah. like, oh, I want something to feel good. What, do, what makes me feel good? Food. Like, even though I've had the surgery, I still definitely have, like, it's very easy. Like, I tell Gage, it's my inner fat girl. And I tell him, like, okay, <laughs> she's, like, she's coming out. Like, I need to, like, get under control because yeah. I can feel myself. Like, the I've done it. You said you hadn't been since you got on your medication. I right. have, like... Uh, I haven't done like an extreme binge to the point of like throwing up, but like I had like a few times where I was like, Oh, I'm, I wanted to revert back to that cycle of like, Oh, I'm just going to get something and like not tell anyone. And I told Gage, I was right. like, oh, I can't do that. I can't like, I'm like, you need to be my like accountability partner here. Like I am not doing it. I'm not going back. Like this right. is not happening. And so I definitely right. still, I still struggle with those things. It's more 
definitely more uh, manageable now, especially since I have the tools. Yeah, of, like, for sure. How, you know, how to channel that anxious energy, how to, uh, you know, pull myself out of those negative uh, thoughts. But it's right. definitely something that I still am like working on. For sure. Yeah. I, same. I think it's always a process. And like, for me, I, I'm a huge advocate of therapy. I, my parents are divorced, so I grew up in a split home. And so I, my mom was very proactive about putting me in therapy at a young age. Just, they knew I was an anxious kid. I I've always been this way. I don't, my mom is the most chill, literally nothing wrong with that woman. She's so chill, so calm, nothing bothers her. And I'm like, can I have that? Can you share that? Cause that is not right. me. But this has always been me. I didn't sleep when I was little. I was always high strung. I needed to be in everybody's business. I had to know what was going on at all times. I'm still that way. And it's not because I'm nosy. It's because I'm anxious. So I need to know what's going on with everybody at all times. So I know where you are. I know what you're doing and I know you're safe. Um, and I've always been this way. And so they got me into therapy young and then I was in and out for a while. And I decided about six months ago that I really needed to get back into therapy to get a better relationship with food, but to really get a a handle on my mental health. And I realized I couldn't do it alone. So if you are somebody who's like heavily struggling with mental health, I really recommend that. I also do have some fairly severe mental health disorders. My, this is a little personal, but whatever my, um, biological grandmother, my, on my dad's side, she was a um, paranoid schizophrenic and she completed suicide. Um, when my dad was in his twenties, she had been in and out of psych hospitals. She was, um, but she was an Olympic runner. She was in the trials for the uh, Olympics as a sprinter. So even somebody who is a high competing athlete can suffer from mental health issues and we ignore it. And those mental health issues can affect generations. And so mental health has always been something my family has been very aware of. Um, and I was fortunate that schizophrenia was not something that I, I have experienced and I won't at this point, I'm kind of past that age for women. Thank the Lord. Um, but I do have borderline, meaning that I get these like blackouts where I will get anxious or really frustrated and I like blackout and I don't, I don't remember what happened. I don't remember what I said. I don't remember what I've done. Um, and it really happens in like my very close personal relationships. Um, but it was starting to kind of happen with food. Like I would do something or go shopping and get something and kind of blackout that I did it for with food and like, um, higher sugar drinks, things like that, like coffees and things like that, just something just clicked. And, um, so I am medicated and that's something I, we wanted to talk about too, is medications with weight loss surgery. So because of my mental health issues, I am medicated. I will be medicated for the rest of my life. However, if you're somebody that has mental health issues, you know, it's very hard to force yourself to take your medications. So that is important. Take your medications. But also if you are somebody who's having, um, bypass, not necessarily sleep, but bypass because of how our system breaks down medications. We cannot take extended release medications. They do not work because our system doesn't break it down because we don't have the acid in our stomach the way like a sleeve does. So I have to take like my ADHD medication. I take three times a day, which seems very extreme, but it's because it's a quick release. So it only lasts in my system from four to six hours. And if you are somebody who takes a stimulant, you know that that stimulant crash is so bad. Like I come off of that medication and I am just done. I'm ready for bed. So I've had to adjust my medications. And that's something that's really important to work with your mental health team, your doctor, um, your therapist, uh, your surgeon, talk about the medications you can and cannot take. Um, one of the other medications I take, I had to switch to a liquid form because there was no 
quick release. They only had extended release except for the liquid form, which is usually used for kids. So my dose is a little higher, but it's the only way I can get that medication in. And when I first had surgery, I really struggled um, because I was not properly educated on how my medications would work after surgery. So I was still on extended release and they weren't doing anything. And so I, I really struggled about six months in is when my, my mental health really tanked. Um, and I had to really start meeting with doctors and getting on better medication. And at that time I worked for a pharmacist, which was very helpful because I was able, I was like, here's my meds. Can you help me? And she was very helpful in helping me find stuff, but please for the love, if you have mental health issues and you are on medications, talk to your doctors, because I have seen so many posts about people in really bad places after surgery. And a lot of times it's because they aren't properly educated on the fact that if you've got bypass, your system is not breaking down those extended release medications. I definitely think that if something's not working for you, if you're experiencing mental health issues, whether you had them before, before surgery, after surgery, contact a doctor, seek help. Yes. Um, please, please, please. If you are uh, struggling at all, we highly recommend seeking uh, therapy and a uh, yes. psychiatrist or a psychologist. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm going to, <laughs> sorry, we can't see each other today, guys. Sorry about that. Um, I was just going to say, I'm just going to include some, um, like resources in the description of this episode for like the national suicide hotline, some, um, mental health, um, websites and things like that for people to, to find help from if they need it. Cause I think that's so important. Yes. And we will post something on our Instagram as well. Yes, for sure. Yeah. This episode, like we said, guys, was a little heavier. We kind of were a little all over the place, but I think it was really important to talk about this, talk about mental health and weight loss. Um, you know, and then there's that, that fact of like going through weight loss, like you've got to change your mentality with weight loss. And so creating healthy relationships with food, the gym and your mental health is so essential when it comes to success. Yeah, I think it's really after surgery, just taking a whole, like a whole body and like life approach versus, Oh, I want to get my weight on track. I want to get this on track. Really. You want to find balance in all aspects of your life, including your mental health. Yes, for sure. Cause this is a lifestyle change and, and mental health is a big part of lifestyle. So yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, we will include the link for that article that we talked about. We'll post that Motivation Monday quote. We'll post some resources for anybody who might need them. Um, Also, my inbox is always open. I am more than willing and would love to talk to and help anybody and send them in the right direction. Um, As a reminder, though, guys, we are not doctors. We are not medical professionals. So please seek medical professional help. If it's something you need, take what we've said here as our own lived experiences, not something we're telling you, um, that you have or do not have. These are just our experiences. So we really do encourage you to meet with your doctors and talk to them. If, if mental health is something you're struggling with. Totally agree. And, uh, as Kennedy said, my inbox is always open, uh, for anyone as well. Yes. Well, with that, guys, we're going to wrap up, but we will talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. Bye.